Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. On today's show, Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs joins us. We do our TCU 2022 season in review. Look back on a season for the Horn Frogs that led to a national championship appearance. We look forward to the future for TCU and kind of where the program is right now. That is all coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here with Stephen Simcox. Today's show is brought to you all by the folks at the FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America, official sports betting partner of the NFL. Make every moment matter more with the folks at FanDuel. Make sure you guys uh, follow both Stephen and I on Twitter. I'm at Josh Neighbors. You can follow Stephen at Simcox Stephen. You guys can find both shows wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Please subscribe to both channels. It means a, a lot to us when you guys do. Like the videos, leave your comments as well. Stephen, we've had some time to decompress from the team. Well, actually, not really, because they've been the, the Kendall Bryles hire kind of got us going again. Uh, and then also Jaden Rashada, who we'll get to. But looking back on the TCU season as a as, as a graduate of the school and then also as somebody who covered the team from pillar to post, uh, give me your your thoughts, your feelings about what was a pretty special year. Well, I mean, it was incredible. You know, the, the ending was uh, what it was. It was not, it was about like worst case scenario. If you make the national championship game, how badly could it go? Well, that's what happened against Georgia. Uh, but I, I mean, I think I'll, when I, when I look back on it later, I'll remember beating Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl, right? Like going 12 and 0 during the regular season, having all those amazing wins, escaping against Baylor, you know, escaping against teams like, Texas Tech having a big win in Austin against Texas when everyone sort of thought that that would be the week that the run came to an end. Um, yeah, just an outstanding job by Sonny Dykes, right? Like the it was kind of the perfect storm. Like the league was sort of up for grabs. They became the team that um, took the ball and ran with it. Max Duggan took a huge step forward. We all know his story. He didn't win the job coming out of camp and then sort of immediately took over when Chandler Morris went down. They found a way to maximize the skill talent that they had you know, had on campus for a few years, guys like Quentin Johnston and Kendra Miller. I think Joe Gillespie did a good job, um, you know, getting that defense to a place where they were, you know, more than serviceable for most of the season. And now the big question is, can you sustain this, right? Because there were a lot of things that, um, you know, fell into place. They were sort of the top of their development cycle at a lot of different positions. Um, it was a, a down year for some of the big powers in the Big 12. And they took advantage of that opportunity. And so now there's a target on your back um, and you have to find a way to, to kind of climb the mountain again. But I mean, I, th I think you'll, you'll always just look back with this team and a lot of fondness and the toughness they played with the intensity, the way they, you know, pulled out close games and um, yeah, it kind of all culminated in a, in a great way with that win against Michigan. And that's what I'll, I'll choose to remember most fondly um, from the season is them just breaking through, making the playoff and then, advancing in the national championship game since 1995 they were in five different conferences in 95 they're in the southwest conference mm -hmm. then they were in the WAC from 96 to 2000 01 to 04 in the conference usa mountain west from 2005 2011 and then they arrived in the big 12 and i think i think arriving is like the right word because 
there was there were a lot of moments where TC was kind of arriving in different ways. You know what I mean? Just kind of like mm-hmm. on the scene. I think obviously there was the arrival of them was like kind of a, a you know, the next version of a Boise State, right? With the Rose Bowl perfect season beating Wisconsin. And then there was, you know, the year where they nearly obviously missed the playoff because of the Big 12's one true champion policy, which screwed them because they had multiple champions. And obviously they didn't get in that year. But I think there is a, okay, you know, GP's now getting the chance to do the Power 5 league, which it's, it's to be reckoned with. And then... Obviously, you know, I think Gary Patterson, for as much credit as he deserves for getting this, you know, this program to where it is, clearly Jeremiah Donati made the right call, right, with with getting rid of him. Sonny Dykes comes in. And then I think I think having a, di- a different coach do it, especially in his first year, mm-hmm. um, was huge. Now, you do it with a lot of Gary's players. I think it's I think it's also part of it. Like that's that's the modern college football part of it is that he made a group of guys who a lot of them could have gone elsewhere believe they could do it where they were gave them a second lease on life. And that's a whole lot of, you know, I guess their football lives in some ways. That's a whole lot of what the transfer portal is nowadays too. And, you know, re-recruiting those guys, nailing the portal the way he did. I think this was like this, you know, the version uh, 3.0 arrival, if you will, Mm -hmm. because of the way that they hit the portal and, you know, kept guys from going into the portal having a different coach doing it, I think meant a lot because it's a lot of times that's the tough part, right? Following the guy who was the guy, you know, that's, that can be difficult. And Sonny Dykes did a pretty flawless job. It was a a massive statement because I mean, you know, the big question when Gary's team started to sort of fall off a cliff was, well, he is TCU football in the modern era. So could somebody else come in and replicate what he did? And he did it in such a specific way, you know, recruiting at a high level by finding guys that were undervalued or underrated, getting them on campus, uh, turning them into really good defensive players after, you know, spending a few years under his system. Um, and now we, we know that college football is really completely different. It's really hard to do that. It's hard to bring in a, a player, even if he's a three-star, maybe kind of an under-the-radar guy, and sell him on, you know, sit for a couple of years. We'll, we'll integrate you into what we're doing here. Um, and so Sonny came in and did things differently. I think, you know, he um, he capitalized on some of the speed and toughness that was left over on this roster. And he also did a really nice job of plugging in those holes in the roster like you talked about in the transfer portal by finding some guys who maybe weren't the biggest names but made a lot of sense for what they were trying to do. Um, and it came together in a big way. So, yeah, it's it's huge that they've, they've found success with somebody – who doesn't have a statue on campus because it means there's there's some staying power here potentially and there's a kind of a new wave coming in I think uh, some of the fresh ideas he's brought to the table have made a huge difference and the players were obviously like you know the old regime had just gotten stale I think that's fair to say right um, that that voice wasn't you know carrying the same weight as it did through so much of, of GP's tenure so um, it was a breath of fresh air it was the right hire and. Uh, yeah, it's it's a big step forward for TC football because it means that there's potential here outside of, you know, just what what Gary built, which was so significant for the school. And I'm wearing my my Big 12 shirt today, so I do want to mention like the significance for the league because, you know, we've had so many conversations about oh, will there be a breakaway right? The power two leagues take you know. Uh, will it take like Clemson and FSU and Miami and, and, you know, go away or whatever. And 
look, that still might happen, but I think there'd be a lot of people who'd be like, well, could we just go away and leave a, leave a play, you know, leave like a TCU on the cutting room floor mm-hmm. not to come with whatever happened. I mean, they have to be respected because that is a team for the big 12 that made a Nash championship. OU's is going to go along with whatever app, you know, they'll the Texas, right? Texas and OU. And, you know, they were going to the SEC. I mean, those two schools never accomplished that. And so I, I think for them, you know, once again, to be this conference hopping program, then to get to this point, you know, for TCU football now to, to go to a Nash championship. And look, I once again, didn't go well, but you can't take away the fact that they went and they went and they beat Michigan in the game. They never trailed in. Um, significant, you know, I, I think it was not like, once again, I don't want, I don't like the underdog thing. Cause they were like, what was it? Seven and a half point underdogs. They closed yeah. against Michigan. Like that. We've seen a lot of games where seven mm-hmm. and a half point underdogs. TCU did it twice this year, right? They had seven and a half point underdogs, Texas being the first time. So I, I think we have to mention like that, that in there as well. But I just think the significance of having a school like that, having a team like that do it shows that not diamonds in the rough, but like this, this is not just the haves and the have-nots. Maybe when it comes down to the final games of the year, when it's Georgia and it's Alabama, uh, you know, it's LSU's and their and their superhero years, you know, whatever whatever those mm-hmm. look like, it's those schools. But there can be breakthroughs from other places, which I think is very important narrative-wise. Well, and to do it, I mean, during the era of the four-team playoff too, because we all know, like, the twelve-team playoff is coming. There's going to be more access, you know. It's, we're assuming there's going to be some sort of kind of automatic bid for a conference champion, but to do it when the the club is more exclusive and in a season where you didn't go undefeated, I mean, you lost the game to K-State in the Big 12 championship game. That was sort of the last data point the committee had. They still respected the, the body of work enough to put them in, and then they went and won the game. And, yeah, there's a big gap, I mean, between like the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world and everybody else, but I think we, we saw pretty um, – pretty plainly in the Fiesta Bowl that Michigan was not this team that was just – maybe they didn't take TCU seriously enough, but they weren't so talented that they could play their B game or their C game and get away with winning that football game. I mean, you know, if, if not for some breakdowns defensively, that might have been um, more of a blowout. So a, a big deal for for TCU to win that game. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think the Big 12 has a lot to build on right now. There's some good programs here that have done some nice things recently – um, and maybe maybe Texas and OU leaving, even though I know from a monetary standpoint it's going to be a big hit. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise, competition wise, because it'll allow you know these schools to sell themselves better in the Big Twelve and um, hopefully have more playoff breakthroughs moving forward. Quick word from our sponsors, then we'll talk about the future of TCU football. Uh, today's show is brought to you guys by the FanDuel Sportsbook, as I mentioned before. We're really excited to have them on as a new partner. They've got so many features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Also, I think their interface is by far the best of any of the sports gambling apps that are out there. Right now, new customers can join the day and get $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. They've got player props. They've got point spreads. They've got first half odds. They've got season long odds. You guys can also combine your bets in single-game parlays for a bigger payout as well. So once again, go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, place your first $5 wager, and get $150 in free bets, win or lose, 
Once again, FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. So, Stephen, I think, you know, we, we go from the season there and then we go to how well they've done recruiting and the fact they're pulling guys out of the portal, you know, from Alabama and places like that are, that are getting, you know, I, I think the word we have to use is recruited over, right? Like yeah. even a guy like an eight, and the thing is, that does not mean they're bad now. Uh, it doesn't mean they're going to be Alabama caliber players. It does not mean they're yeah. bad, right? I think A.D. Mitchell's a good example. Kind of a guy who got, you know, I know he played well towards the end, but like that's a guy who kind of got recruited over, right? And I don't think he loved mm-hmm. his target share when he was at Georgia. So now he's going to Texas. And we know Georgia's offense. They prefer the Brock Bowers and Darnell Washingtons and the Lad McConkeys sometimes over, the, you know, the star guys in the outs. Jermaine, you know, Jermaine Burton, another guy who wasn't really getting the, the looks that he wanted there. So TC recruiting at that clip. And then, we talked about the Kendall Bryles thing a good amount. I, I think here's here's the story on this is that we've we've talked about the, the stuff with him, you know, uh, you know, with with his past at Baylor and whatnot. Putting that aside, like I think it's important we talked about it because I think he's going to score a lot of points, and he scores a lot of points in a lot of places. The fact that TCU now is is now at a point where they're doing things like pulling a sitting SEC offensive mm-hmm. coordinator and. They're now in the mix for a guy like a Jaden Rashada, which is, you know, th- that's not a type of player TCU could normally go after. But after a season like this and poaching a guy like Kendall Bryles, seeing the success of a KJ Jefferson under him. I mean, you know, I think there is not a, we're not all the way to Kingmaker yet, but Sonny Dykes, Sonny Dykes has a little bit of the kind of magic dust right now. And it seems like they can, they can go after a lot more than I think what, you know, uh, we thought was possible before maybe. They have some juice at the moment. And um, yeah, I mean, they've, I think from a recruiting standpoint, they're probably going to sign a top 20 class here with, with the high school guys. There's, there's one safety Warren Roberts. Yeah. We're at right now. I'll just, I'll just for some context, 24 seven has them at 22 overall. The composite rank is 19. The transfer ranks 18. So they're doing a there. Yeah. So you put it all together. It's top 20 class when you add in the transfers. And the the Rashada situation is fascinating. I think the, what the national title run and this new staff have done well so far is they're signing good players. They're also getting in the conversation for some guys that they typically wouldn't really get the time of day from. You know, when Walker Howard hit the portal, they were in that mix before Old Miss signed him. Um, you know, they were kind of the Austin Novosad situation was strange. He was he was committed to Baylor for a long time. He flips to Oregon's last minute. Apparently, there were like some last minute visits from Garrett Riley that, you know, the conversations didn't really go too far, but they were at least talking with him, um, you know, towards the end of that recruitment cycle. And and when I first heard the news about Rashada, my first thought was, well, I mean, if, if he's still, you know, kind of looking at NIL and making that a priority, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just don't really feel like TCU is going to be a school that, uh, you know, backs up the Brinks truck for a high school QB. But you look at the teams that are they're competing with, you know, Arizona State, Cal, Washington, possibly Colorado. From a football perspective, they've got a really, you know, good selling point. I mean, they're, they're coming off a national championship appearance. They've developed quarterbacks well. Sonny Dykes has. Kendall Browse has. Um, and so if they land him, then that's a game changer. And – you have to find a way to get the results on the field. But, I mean, you talked about the transfers. You're getting guys like Tommy Brockermeyer, Trey Sanders, JoJo Earl from Alabama. Yeah, they're they're technically getting sort of reevaluated through this process. But coming out of high school, these were four- and five-star recruits, like nationwide top guys. 
Um, and that's been a huge thing that Sonny Dykes did well at SMU too, was like, Hey, if you're, if you're a Dallas Fort Worth kid and it didn't work out for you at SEC school X or, you know, wherever you went, then just come home and you can come home and play and you can be close to family and friends and we'll get you set up. And so, um, that's been a, a really good thing for them as far as the portal goes. There's there's significant juice right now for this program. They're they're getting talent. They're acquiring talent. They're having conversations with players that they haven't had before. And so it still comes down to like at the end of the day, the trenches have to get better. I think that's the that was the biggest kind of glaring difference between <laughs> between them and Georgia in that game, uh, you know, on that Monday night. But they're they're starting the process. And so now can you find a way to keep the results on the field at a high level? with all the roster turnover so that you're still in these conversations a year from now. Cause we, you know, we saw like, we kind of saw Baylor go through this Oklahoma state go through this where they were, they were at the top. It looked like they were starting to find some guys that they normally wouldn't. I think TCU is, is bumping that up to a higher level. Right. But then they, you know, they have one bad season and then all of a sudden a lot of people are in the portal and, uh, oh, how many scholarship quarterbacks do we have left on this roster? Not that many. Um, so it's, a, it's a very fickle thing. You have to keep winning but there's a foundation here to have success for the long term. Yeah, that's that's kind of the next direction I think we have to head this because, you know, K-State's bringing back a lot of their guys. And, like, I, I st- no matter how well it goes for them, I still believe that – and I might be wrong. I still believe K-State's a place where it's like 7-5, and 8-4. and four, You keep it there three or and every three or four years. We're talking 10-2, 11-1. and one. And actually for them it was 9-3 and three this year. I think, you know, th- they had yeah. such a weird year. I mean – with the Martinez and Howard thing and the, you know, the multiple setbacks, but TCU to me is different, is in a different position. And I, I kind of talked about this the other day. Like if I had to pick schools from the new big 12, that I could see playing a national championship game when you expand to 12, because here's the thing, it's going to get harder, right? Like, cause you're yeah. going to have to be, you're going to have to beat a Michigan, but then you're going to have to beat like a Clemson yeah. before you get to an LSU or whatever it is. Right. Cause you know, let's just say, I mean, TCU this year, Steven, they would have had to play four games, right? Because they would have not gotten the automatic bid because they didn't win the league, right? So they're playing the round of 12, then the round of eight, then four, just to get to the title. They'd have to win three games, right? And so, like, it gets much more daunting when you think of it that way. That's that's the crazy part about this. But the, the one thing I'll also say is, like, they are now uniquely positioned to start getting guy, like... Sonny Dykes, say whatever you want about the hire of Kendall Bryles, did not love it. And this, if he wants to coach there for a long time, I actually have some questions about how long he wants to coach, but um, he's going to have to replace coordinators. He's going to have to get new talent. But so far, like, they're kind of checking those boxes. Like, this is, as far as regression goes, sure, mm-hmm. they're going to lose a lot of guys, but you look at the types of player that they're bringing in. JoJo Earl was like, uh, I mean, I forget what number he was. That was like an incredibly high recruit, right? Yeah. You know, Brockemeyer is a guy that, you know, I, it's really. Yeah, he's like number guy. two in the country coming out of high school. I mean, right. he's, I mean, he's like, these are like, these are like, even if they suck, they're like still decent level players. And yeah. so that's why I think, you know, the big, once again, the question is results next year. I've got a lot of questions about results, but that's the thing is, can you not go seven and five, six and six, like we saw Baylor and Oklahoma State do? We saw OU and Iowa State both fall off years, you know, the year later for them to OU was close to making the Big 12 title last year. They didn't ultimately make it and they had an even bigger fall. That is a problem in this league right now. As fun as it is, as much churning and excitement as that is, 
if we want to win a championship, we need teams to stay at the top because that means that they are, like you said, acquiring, retaining, and continuing to add talent. Well, and, and everybody, it's the question that we've really debated since OU and Texas left. Everybody has their sales pitch for why, okay, we're we're the next, we're the next man up. Like we're the team that takes takes the spot of the big boys, takes the spot of the bully in the conference. Uh, but yeah, I think TCU has, you know, as good of an argument as anybody. The location's fantastic. You're right there in a very talent-rich state, talent-rich metroplex. Um, great facilities, investing a lot. And then, you know, that is a key. Like I, I do I think Sonny has a really good eye for talent. I mean, you, you look at the staffers that he's hired and you look at the guys he's lost. On field and with coaching too. Like both yes. those places, yes. Yes, and with, with the coaching hires, like the, the guys he's lost, Rashad Samples went to uh, the Rams. Like he doesn't even, you know, make it to the fall. Um, outside linebackers coach, who I'm unfortunately, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he gets hired by Georgia before the season started last season. Um, Garrett Riley goes to Clemson. Uh, you know, Brian Carrington, their recruiting coordinator, he has a really good, you know, year here at TCU, and now he's a position coach at Arizona State. And he's replaced those guys with, you know, other young coaches who have, have fit the bill so far. So I think he's got a good eye for talent. I think he understands um, how to be a CEO and kind of have a hands-off approach, let people do their jobs well. And, yeah, I think this is a, a team that can – you know, fundamentally be a contender year in and year out. But it it just – my big question for Sonny is what happens when you hit adversity? Like you have you have really had a, a starter kit of just all rainbows and sunshine since you took over. You go 12-0 and the regular season, you have a hiccup in the Big 12 title game, you win your playoff game, you get blasted in the national title game. But they haven't lost two in a row yet. I mean, they have – like what happens when – what happens if Chandler Morris doesn't turn out to be the guy they think he is? How do you adjust, right? What happens if this O-line, which is replacing three of their five starters, struggles at the beginning of the year? How do you adjust? If you blow a tire against Colorado to start the year, how do you recover? That's what you know. the best do really well. I'll be curious to see how Sonny handles it. But I think, um, yeah, they're they're in for it for the long haul. The, the athletic department wants to be good. And – you know, you, you mentioned something else that's interesting. I've kind of hinted at it, but Sonny is kind of a job hopper. It's not like a bad thing. I mean, he's just like like he's kind of hopped around. And I, I think TCU is a place where he'd want to stay for a long time. But that's kind of the final piece here. Is is this where he sees himself like fully maximizing what he can do as a coach? Or is there always that other job, other opportunity that could be, you know, lurking out there that he'd be interested in? Yeah, I mean, it, it, like he's not young. How old is he? What fifty? In his fifties, yeah. 50s. Um, you know, and once again, the Kendall Bryles hiring me, I think it's going to work out just fine. Uh, I think it's you know the outside stuff is much warranted. We should be talking about it, but like I think it's going to work out well. I don't think Joe Gillespie is going to be around much longer. I can tell you that. I mean, maybe they have a bad year on defense, oh, but like yeah. I think, I think also a second year, especially if they retain. Like I think they're going to they're going to have a good chunk of the defense back. I believe they right? will. They will. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and like that, that's great because I think you can actually start doing a bit more with the defense, right? Now those guys have kind of mastered the system and whatnot. So that's exciting. I guess the one thing that we got here on this is really important. Like quarterback for next year. They like you mentioned, Austin Novasad sniffing around. Walker Howard sniffing around. Jane Rashad now sniffing around. It is a talent acquisition business. 
They lose Sam Jackson, right? I think he went to the he went yeah, to the portal. He to the Cal. Yeah, yeah, right. Which is really interesting. That was really interesting. Um, it's it sounds like it's Chandler Morris. Now I will say, like, the thing about Kendall Bryles' offense specifically, like that is a distribution offense. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- think about what the quarterbacks are asked to do in that offense. It's a lot of running. It's a decent amount of running. Uh, it's it's really based off the run the offenses. But like for passer, think about like Hendon Hooker is not asked to get through a million reads, right? It is a lot of one read and go. It's a lot of spread the field, which I think actually is pretty good considering the athletes are bringing out wide receiver. So this makes it curious. I, I think they wanted a little version of that when they they picked Chandler Morris this year, like trigger man, right? He is a trigger man. He's supposed to get distribute, get the ball out. They got Max Duck and it ended up being great for them. But I think much like this year, distribution is going to be the big key, especially in a Kendall Bryles offense when it comes to just getting the ball out, being on time, making the throws where you need to make them. Because it does require you to throw the ball all over the field. Yeah, it, it's really weird. I'll, I'll, I have trouble articulating how I feel about this. I think when I envisioned Chandler taking over next year, like when I first started thinking about it, I thought this team would be coming off like an eight and four season. And it would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, Chandler Morris can step in, kind of keep the good vibes going. And now he's he's stepping in after what Max did, uh, which was a national championship appearance. But you're right. I feel like this is this is the type of player they envision more for this offense. Right. And a really funny thing is, you know, I I heard and other people have, have kind of reported this. Um, the, the word was that even like during the season in practice, as far as like processing the yeah. offense – making all the accurate <laughs> throws like Chandler. Was I'd also heard the same thing. Yeah. And he was, he was possibly like better than max, but it was just when the, when the lights would turn on on right. Saturdays, you couldn't keep max off. the field. You couldn't keep max off the field. He made big plays and, and they had so much success, like throwing the ball down the field that he made up for the fact that he was, you know, a 65% passer for most of the season. Um, so now you're getting kind of a, a, a more legit look at, at who Chandler is. My, my biggest concern for Chandler is he's kind of a small guy, nothing you can do about it, but he's played, you know, four games in his career. He's been hurt twice. The injury against Colorado last year was kind of a fluke thing. I mean, he was just trying to change direction. And he ended up tweaking right. his knee, but at the moment, we'll see what happens with Jaden Rashada. Your backup QB is Josh Hoover, who, I mean, is, is a true sophomore from Rockwell Heath. Um, was a guy that was probably headed to like SME or Indiana before Sonny got the job. And then, you know, he kind of came over with the new staff and, and comes to TCU. Um, I have confidence that they could add somebody in the spring or summer that is a veteran quarterback that could, you know, give you an opportunity if Chandler goes down. Uh, but that backup quarterback is, is a glaring issue right now. You know, they, they lucked out so much last year that Max decided to stick around because this season they what happened to them is what happens to most programs, which is Sam Jackson looked at the, you know, looked at who's in the room and kind of did the math and said, well, I'm going to go somewhere else. I mean, I'm not going to sit around here and be on the bench for a few years. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, that'll be a big question all year long. But I think Chandler's set up to do this. One of the bigger questions, too, is, can you, can you run the balls effectively as you did last right. year? Because Miller's gone, Amari Mercado's gone. Um, you know, you got guys like Amani Bailey, I would think is the most likely starter at the moment. Um, and you're replacing some offensive line talent. So can, can you take pressure off Chandler and allow him to, you know, settle into a good rhythm with this offense by being able to, to get things done on the ground, which is what Kendall Browse was known for at Arkansas. Of course he had KJ Jefferson back there. Who's kind of a bowling ball of a quarterback who can 
always take off and run. And that's not who Chandler Morris is. Yeah. And then I think they got um, the transfer portal too. They added, uh, they got Trey Sanders from Alabama. Sanders from Alabama yeah. Yeah. And then they got a uh, cam, uh, cam cook coming in. It was a true freshman, but he's a, they had another freshman this year too. I'm totally forgetting blanking on his name. People were excited about him. Uh, let me double check and see how the depth chart. Oh, Trent battle. Is he? Oh yeah. Trent battle. Yeah. And they, Sophomore, he'll, he'll, he'll be a factor too. Um, they used him as like a gadget guy, like kind of, you know, catch the ball in the backfield. They didn't really use him in traditional run sets, but um, obviously like he'll be more in that, you know, formation and more in that look this year because the, the two main guys are gone. But they used Trent um, in the receiving game and he was really effective. So, yeah, I think he'll be a factor too. I'll tell you what, I think even, a, even after the, because of the season they had, I think TCU is the most interesting team next year because it's like, I think K-State will be right there, mostly because they keep a lot of the group around. Now, now that being said, we saw the same thing happen with Iowa State, right? Iowa State went 7-5 and five that one year after they were, what, top seven? Yeah. <laughs> Preseason top seven. And they, they finished like that. Now, TC, I think it's going to be a little bit different because a lot's changed for them. But really interesting offseason coming. I definitely think they have to add another quarterback for sure. Um, yeah, they have to. It's a They must. have to. And I know right now it's like Chance Nolan, and I know Jalen Rashada is, uh, Jaden Rashada is obviously available. And then uh, Sam Heward, Brock Heward's son, is also available. Yes. So yeah, and there's been some communication there, but I, I don't think – I think right. they're kind of waiting to see what happens over the next week yeah. or so. All right, Stephen. It's very interesting. And then also Frogs basketball. I've said this a bunch. I think there's a chance – I mean, they look like, like they – I don't think they win the Big 12, but, like, if you asked me to pick, like, one of the most horrifying teams to play in a tournament setting, it's them because they want to run you to death. They can shoot. They can run half-court mm-hmm. offense. They can – they get a lot of good, a lot of steals. Uh, Jamie Dixon's tournament resume is not excellent, but like I think this group is. Uh, I mean, it's damn good team. It's a damn good basketball team. So TCU, yeah. TCU sports right now, way up, up arrow. Yeah, their ceiling's high. I mean, I think if they shoot like they have the last week, then oh, they're really, they're really tough out. But you know, one thing that's funny about that is so Shahade Wells was a transfer from UTA. They got him a couple of years ago. And it was a, you know, it was like, hey, this is a big deal. He averaged like 16 a game at UT Arlington. Um, and then he got hurt last season. This season, he hadn't really been a factor. And then in that Kansas game, he just suddenly goes off and has like 20, you know, mm-hmm. on eight of nine shooting. And so if he becomes somebody who can score along with, you know, Mike Miles and Damian Ball, that's a big deal. But yeah, they have, I mean, they have a system. Like, I'll, I'll give Jamie credit. Um, he really, like that team has a lot of returners, but they're playing like a totally different way than they did last year. You know, they're not like trying to just crash the offensive boards and suffocate you on defense. They're every chance they get to run, they're trying to get out in transition and make plays. So there'll be a, a fun matchup in the tournament for whoever they play. Yeah, Jamie Nixon said to us on SiriusXM yesterday, he said, I want everybody, even our bad shooters, to shoot because they still want offensive rebound, but they really do want to shoot. Yeah. Like they are a shooter, they can spread you out. Uh, they kind of remind me a little bit of the Baylor, the Baylor team from a few years ago, or the way Baylor plays, just like the way they can spread teams out. So it's it's pretty exciting right now. Uh, all right, Stephen, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Yeah, I'm at Simcox Stephen on Twitter. The show is at Locked On TCU. You can subscribe to Locked On Horn Frogs on YouTube, also wherever you get your podcast in its audio form. All right, Stephen Simcox, Locked On Horn Frogs. I'm sure we'll be uh, talking to you as the off season rolls along. Thanks as always, Josh. I appreciate it.